Welcome back to the Beer O'Clock Podcast. I'm Dylan Toon. I'm Angus Norris. And we are here to bring you all of the outdated-ish. Well, not, not too bad, but we'll see if we get this out in under three weeks. It's all about the editing from here. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure on me. Um, but yes, outdated news, important views from the Australian beer world and beyond. Um, got a nice, short, sharp, easy, on paper podcast this month. Yeah, we, we've been proven wrong before when we've said that. Definitely. Especially when it comes to news and the discussion around that. Like, it can look fine on paper and then become Explode? a disaster. Or yeah. it can go really quick because we think there's too much. But yeah, we've we just got just got our, all the hits this month. We've got, got some news and we've got a cellar and we've got a lager and nothing too complicated. So let's get into it, I reckon. Let's do it. Uh, kick off the news. Um, we've got, so there's been beers brewed to raise money for um, Ukraine and... Been a few of them going around and sort of in different formats, which is sort of fun. So Prancing Pony, Barossa Valley and Route 9 collaborated on Puck Fusen, um, which was, I believe, a red ale. And so Route 9 is a distillery. I think one of the founders is Ukrainian or has right. family from there. I was about to ask about Route 9 because I've never heard of them. So that's yeah. good. Yeah, so I don't actually think they're a brewery, yeah, <laughs> which, which is probably why. Um, New South Wales-based Dangerous Ales, they do a yearly Russian Imperial Stout and said they've brewed as a Ukrainian Imperial Stout this year. Yeah, I've heard a bit of that going around. I think that's a change we can all get around, mm. nice and easy. I mean, it's always been one of those things where I'm like, how much Russian origin does that style... Well, I think it's English. I think yeah, that's I what think I mean. it was like, to get it to Russia, so it's still okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like, I reckon you could probably just call it a European Imperial yeah. Stout. And that would well, it's like what we would call an export stout. It yeah. It just yeah. an export Imperial yeah. Stout. <laughs> Imperial, yeah, just an IES. That's nice and easy, Imperial Export Stout. Um, and Tabacus have done a twin pack of the Pravda recipes, which I think we talked about in the past. We, I'm sure we talked about it last time. Yeah, if not Pravda um, Brewery, who pivoted to making Molotov cocktails in Ukraine uh, released five recipes. Yeah, four or five. Um, and you'll never guess that Bacchus had done the biggest and darkest of the two. It was, doesn't sound like that at all. No, no, <laughs> not at all. And I think they used the labels as well. Yes, they did. And so they're on sale now um, for a limited time and a limited run. Yeah, it was in, a very limited run. I think two fifty twin packs. Yes, yeah. So. You have to buy it as a twin pack. From my understanding. Um, but yeah, go, go support Bacchus if you're interested. Always do cool stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, just wanted to touch on this is sort of this is this is almost commentary rather than news, but um, Natalia Morales and uh, using GoFundMe to make batch as a sort of a follow up batch of beer after initially releasing a blueberry pisco sour. I want to say, which yep. I thought was really cool. I think it was it was awesome. In in Morales is the name for that's brewery. the one, yeah. Um, and she brews at Westside. Yes, and I think it may have been. Either inspired by her father or her father's recipe. I think inspired in honour of him. Yes. So yeah. I think he passed away not that long ago. Um, but it's really interesting. Uh, the reason I put it in news is because the GoFundMe is still open. So yep. if you search Natalia Morales GoFundMe, you'll find that. Um, encourage you to support her if you're interested because, you know, not only this is, um, you know, uh, someone who's come to Australia, it's an immigrant to Australia. Yep. Female brewer doing it solo, all really stuff we want to Would be one of very few female-owned breweries. And yeah. I actually reckon she could be the only one in Australia now. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, the, the two, two birds, birds go, yeah. they don't count anymore. Yeah, yeah. And um, obviously a smaller one, but this gives her, I, I think, it's interesting. And I wonder if we'll see more of it um, in future 
Because it, it's enabled her to have the flexibility to, to do additional batches, maybe try new recipes, depending on how the GoFundMe goes. And yeah, so yeah. I think she's about thirty percent of the way to her goal at the moment. So yeah, hopefully yeah. she gets her. Yeah, keep the Victorian industry vibrant. Yes, there's actually a link in the latest. I don't know one of the recent posts on the site. Okay, cool. Can't remember which one. Well, we'll chuck another link in here. As yeah. Exercise well. um, changes. This the CDS stuff. Um, I think there are CDS changes as well, but in the federal budget there was a change basically to how the excise is paid by small brewers. Okay. So it's quarterly now. Which okay. is just cuts down on administrative paperwork. Yeah, yeah. Which is really what we want small breweries to be able to do is they can actually make beer. Exactly. Um, the CDS stuff, I'm very close to it with my job. Um, the Basically, if you're in New South Wales, you can expect to pay about 10 to 13 cents more a six-pack in the coming months. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. But Canberra didn't change? Even yes. Even though they're yes, on the same SEC. CDS? Yeah, weird. Yeah. And Victoria is joining the CDS scheme, I want to say, December. Yeah. We're not actually a part of it at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was, that was still contentious if we were joining. But you would be... It sounds like we are. Yeah, we're, okay. We're being prepped for it. But, yeah, who knows? You heard it here first. Until, until, <laughs> until it happens, it doesn't happen. Um, that's a bit, a bit of wisdom from me. That's right. That's um, right. Uh, AIBA entries must match category entered. I haven't heard about this, but I love the headline. <laughs> yeah, so this is, you can't anymore enter your, the thing you sell as a session IPA as a pale ale. No like to more win. Mountain Goat Summer Ale winning English pale ale. So you can't win an award, like a medal. I think you can enter it in the category. You are not eligible for an award. Unless it's the same, the label matches the thing. <laughs> Good. Um, I think they they are using the American, um, well, the extended style guidelines. Yeah, we talked yeah, about yeah, them yeah. a while ago. Um, the extended styles are what they're going to allow into those awards for, like bridging styles and things yeah, like that. yeah. Um, think things that there aren't quite an AIBA category for. But I still think this is a really positive change. Um, I mean, I've never liked that you can market something as one thing and then enter it as another. Um, it's interesting with stuff like Pride or Vice and stuff where that you could argue that's not really marketed as like a wheat beer necessarily, but it's like things like... then there's quite a few of those that are in... There's a few of those. I think Stone and Wood Pacific Ale used to win English Summer mm. English Pale Summer Ale or, or uh, something. Yeah, yeah. It was some, it's quite a strange style that it would win awards in. I think... Is Australian Pale Ale... Not a star. I think it is in the American Extended one. Yeah, because so, I know that it's ones like New Zealand Pilsner yeah. and Brazilian... I can't oh, pronounce it. The, so the, it's the C? Yeah, the, the um, Catalina or something. Catalina, yeah, Catalina, Catalina Sour. Catherine Sour? Something like yeah. that. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's a few of those little ones around. Catalina's that gross New Zealand Sap Blanc. Yes, Catalina, Catalina Sounds, <laughs> yeah. Um, and we also, I believe we spoke about on the podcast about, or at least maybe we spoke about it off air connection. Remember about Ukrainian Gold Now, which was another one that was being considered. Yeah, that they want to get included. But... Yeah. Um, so all, all pretty interesting stuff. But I mean, basically... If you the, the long and short of it is, if if it says it on the label, you now have to actually submit it. If you want a medal, yes, which they all imagine they do. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I will say about that though, I did hear commentary from people about like saying, "Oh well, you wouldn't want to win a medal like in another category." I don't you know. Didn't. I think they just want to put the gold medal. Well, that, yeah. that's exactly. <laughs> I, I think that commentary is definitely reading too much into how intelligent your average beer consumer is. Yes, yeah. all it's going to be is gold medal winning beer. 
Yep. Not, not what category it won. Gold medal at this show. That's right. It'll be a gold medal at the IBAs. It it's not going to be, we won, our IPA won a poor Champion luggage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, um, well, I mean, we're, we're very much, uh, having, having entered a, a failed uh, black IPA as a... Yeah, porter, a failed porter yeah, as, as a black a, IPA. Yeah, uh, we're, we're keenly aware of this. Um, our friends at ABAC have had a sharp drop in complaints this quarter with less than half the amount made this quarter compared to last year. So, 55 complaints last quarter down to 27 this quarter. And this is about beer marketing. We've spoken about this a fair bit. Yeah, surely anyone who's listening knows what that is by now. Yeah. Um, any reasons why that you came across? Because I can't think of a reason why there'd be less. Not really. Maybe it's just that the marketing has been a bit quieter. Maybe. Um, it's probably busier as it goes into later in the year, I imagine. Maybe fairer, lesser invested in the idea now that all their things get thrown out their ridiculous complaints don't get sort of the attention they want them to i mean yeah and and the other option is maybe dayton just haven't released any big beers i did chocolate beers i did hear there were a couple of non-alc ones yes i did say that which was interesting Um, that's more possibly more fair in the sense that maybe that's Try to present them as not being akin to beer. When I know they're not alcoholic, but they're still beer. And yeah, it's great, more of a grey area, perhaps more of an interesting discussion. Then I think it, the fascinating discussion is whether heaps normal need to be talked about in that category, where, as a standalone producer versus yeah. someone who has an extension. Like I think Heineken Zero, you can make arguments it's a Heineken ad at the same time. Yes. Whereas yes. a heaps normal, like. This is a soft drink for all intents and purposes. Especially for Sobar and the likes of that. Yeah. Who, who are whole breweries around that. I mean, heaps of the same thing too, but yeah. Um, I, I agree, and I think it should be considered like that, but we'll, we'll see what APAC does. Yeah. Um, so this is Brews News for the month. Um, oh, fantastic. <laughs> double O, not, not our friends, uh, Claire and Co. Um, founder Grant Kent Grogan and fellow director Matthew Boys have stepped down, but will remain with the company. I don't... I think Kent Rogan is like the director. He's still going to be like the manager of the beer. So he's going to stay on as general manager, but he's not on the board. Or... Yes. Yeah. So he's not going to be a director, but he's general manager of beer, of the beer <laughs> production still. And neither of their remunerations have, um, have changed. So um. I did see little bits about this because they had a couple of guys to the board. Yes, they did. Yeah. Uh, this has to be little board, you know, a little internal fight in the board. Yeah. Which has seen the two of them step down, officially, mm. <laughs> but unofficially still in charge. Yeah, I don't know what Matthew Boyd's role is, and I don't know if he's even staying with. That was unclear. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Kent Grogan definitely still a part of the operation, and yeah, <laughs> remuneration unchanged, stock stock unchanged, yes, all yeah. of that. Um, and I mean, you would expect that he would have stepped down a while ago considering the performance of the company. But you can't run your pyramid scheme if you're not in charge of it. Well, we'll keep an eye on this as we always do. Um, I'm Unfortunately, I'm sure we'll have plenty more updates on this in the coming months. There's been no update on the Development Victoria thing, so who knows if that was the reason that he's been kicked off the board. Yeah, and thank you to regular Brews News, B-R-E-W-S-N-E-W-S, <laughs> Who are always really good at uh, keeping people abreast of developments in this this saga, which we're all keenly following. Exactly. (laughs) Um, 95% of the breweries in in the US are now back open and pouring. So that was like some of them were open but not pouring, just doing takeaways. Right, yeah. So this is open and pouring. So open basically as pre-pandemic, which is the highest percentage since the pre-pandemic. And so is that percentage 
Including breweries that never poured beer? No, no. So these, this is ones that ones, were. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, so, yeah, open and pouring. So both, basically ones that, yeah, basically ones that pre-pandemic. People who had tap rooms. Yeah, who were yeah, operating and pouring beer, now back open pouring beer, which I think is good. Yeah. I mean, good for the businesses. I mean, obviously, it's a more difficult discussion with COVID and so on. And obviously, America is... <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot to say far too much to say their, so, their, yeah. their whole thing has been wonderful hasn't it mm. <laughs> just wonderful um, but I think that's I think we can say that's good I, we don't want to lose more breweries yep. um, it's a tough industry in the margins are sometimes well, they seem to have fared far worse on that front there's been yes. a lot more breweries on their side closed than ours yeah, yeah. and we've, we've had a few which is unfortunate but yeah definitely not as bad as America so let's hope that um, yeah things are Getting back to normal-ish. Ish. Yeah. As normal as they can be. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, tap room brewery openings. Um, so Hawks Brewing have opened the Bob Hawk Beer and Leisure Centre, which... Um, it's so good. It looks like a great time. The um, deep-fried Viennetta and, like, the old-school Aussie Chinese menu. Very 1980s. Yeah. Just, it, it's superb. Anyone who hasn't, like... Come across that. Look that up. Yes. Um, and if you've ever been in an old school RSL or, you know, club or whatever, you'd know. What they really need to do is just they need about 10 blokes to come in at 5am and just smoke durries for an hour I'm and sure. spill beer on their shoes. And then you'll really get the smell. The one thing I didn't look is, have they gone carpet? Like, is the carpet sticky? It looks like a lot of wood, like <laughs> a lot of hardwood. But yeah, yeah, they do need the sticky carpet. We need a right? sticky carpet section. Yeah. So someone every day needs to pour a couple of jugs over that carpet. Just yeah. make sure it's nice and ready to need go. a little trough under the uh, <laughs> the bar area that goes just to catch it when people knock their beers over and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that's good fun. I mean, Hawks Brewing, the beer is, you know, fine. It's, yeah. it's obviously not really for a craft market, um, but I think this is a good... They know their audience. This is funny. This yeah. is worth talking about. <laughs> and they are going to do limited releases. Oh, yeah, cool. They're going to do some IPAs. Because they now have their own brewery. They were contracting that this is a brewery. I believe that is correct. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. And I think it's it's a fun little historical thing as well. It's one of those things. I would go there if I was in Sydney. Definitely. Definitely. Um, Caramon Valley have begun work in their second site. So they have a brewery, but they don't really have yep. a tap brewery. And so now this Cause is in the middle of nowhere in the hinterland. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is going to be on the gold coast somewhere. Cool. Um, and they've got a government grant to do it. Awesome. Um, and they, are they going in that big food and beverage producers area or is it a standalone thing? Well, you don't know. I think, um, I thought the food and beverage thing was on the sunny coast, not the gold coast. They're the same thing in my head. Yeah. I'm fully yeah. aware that one's where, where um, they are, but... I mean, I don't think so, but it's not impossible. I actually couldn't find definitive. All I'd seen is that they'd broken yeah. ground started work, that I hadn't seen. There was no indication of where it actually was. The other one we need to mention, it's not quite an opening, but Wildflower are putting their brewery in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, I did see that. Yeah. Some, yeah, Topher's putting a kit in there, which will yeah. be... will be interesting to see what happens there. Oh, I'll just do some very strange stuff. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of fun looking openings, but um, nothing else too exciting. But Grassy Knoll have become seeker and taken over the Bully space in Wollongong. Yeah, so this is just one of those weird stories that mm. I think needs to happen. So Bully was in Wollongong. Yeah. He is becoming effectively becoming a contract brewer. Okay. Grassy Knoll, that were a contract brewer, <laughs> have taken over that space and are going to have renamed themselves Seeker. <laughs> 
interesting. I understand all of that except them renaming themselves the Seeker because I thought they'd developed somewhat of a name. Well, I was aware of them. I yeah. don't think I'd had a beer from them, but I was aware of them. I reckon I've had a beer or two from them. I reckon we talked about one of their artworks in the Gab's artwork comp. That might be it, yeah. Either way, we're yeah, aware of them, that seems. I guess, I guess, but on, alternatively, if they want to change their name, it's early on, yeah. early days, why not? Uh, onto the tasting paddle, so short and sharp. Um, the federal government have invested $33 million in the aforementioned Sunshine Ghost beverage precinct. So, God, it helps if you read the uh, news before we start, doesn't oh. it? <laughs> <laughs> if, if, yeah, if you're not keenly aware, I mean, Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, it's doesn't one south of Brisbane, one north of Brisbane. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't actually know what this money does and what the precinct does. I think they're making a hub where small producers can effectively borrow equipment from them. Okay, that makes sense. Because I did see like it's to help export and help yeah. SMEs become bigger. Yeah. But I'm like... So I think like they're thinking about putting like a de-alk colliser in there. So you can okay. have your brewery, you know, knock out your... Your pale ale that you're going to turn into but also a then point five number. And, yeah, 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 cool. Well, I think I think it's good. I mean, I to be honest, I just mainly wanted to call out the federal government. We're investing thirty three million bucks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, might not win them the election, but <laughs> look the way Albo every time Albo opens his mouth, like, <laughs> it could go very wrong. <laughs> he might have to. Well, I'm hoping that he'll that'll make him put fifty million dollars down. Yeah. yeah. Um. I always, I don't, never know how to pronounce, is it Rex? Resh? Reshes. Reshes, yes. Another win for the Reshes Appreciation Society as Reshes Dinner Hour returns to the CUB lineup for a limited run following the, the Silver Bullets coming back after their grassroots campaign. My grandfather has been talking to me about Reshes Dinner Hour since I was about five years old. <laughs> like, this oh. was, apparently if you were in Sydney in like the 1950s, <laughs> like that was the beer. Like sounds like one, one due for a deep dive. Yeah, we're a bit of history. Have to deal with that at some yeah. point, aren't we? Well, I don't know. It turns if it's got that much history. I, I yeah, apparently this was like the best beer you could get in Sydney in the fifties. Very interesting. Um, yeah, definitely keen to see. We'll have to keep our eyes out. Yeah, um, yeah. Because limited run could mean they drop a few slabs in South Australia and Queensland, and then forget about it. Yeah, yeah. Although the the Reshes Appreciation Society is pretty big. That's true. I reckon they'd call them out if that's what was ha- what they did do with it. Yes, yes. I think it would be a great marketing opportunity for CB and it'll be a pretty easy slam dunk. Yeah, and it's it's just, I think it's a 5% pale ale or something. It's not yeah. like it's a particularly difficult beer to brew or an expensive beer to brew or anything like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Young Henry's celebrate 10 years since opening. 10 years of making mediocre beers. <laughs> yes. That is, I, I, I did want to just call it out because it's longevity is often a tricky thing. Yep. They've really carved their niche themselves. Obviously, we're not super fond of their beer. No. Nope. Motorcycle oil excluded. Yep. Um, but I do intend one day to go there and just confirm that for myself, that it's not just Dan's that horribly dealt with their beer. Well, yeah. I remember that uh, I remember that night we were out and you were like, I haven't had a Newtowner in a while. We went in and ordered a pint of Newtowner and had like two sits. Got better things to do on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. But yes, um, I do think maybe they are. Maybe this will be a good opportunity to maybe have a better look at them at some yep. stage. Um, and finally, Capital Brewing is the first certified carbon neutral brewery under the federal government. 
climate active certification. So I think um, Lion have been climate neutral in their operations, brewing operations, but not in their transport and freight and logistics. And so I think this is Capital's the first. Moondog are close, but haven't got it over the line yet. Like haven't got the paperwork through effectively. Okay, okay. Um, So I think Moondog think they're getting theirs through in July. Yeah. But then again, is that the same climate certification, you know, thing? Because there's so many of these. That's that's the thing, yeah. this I was like, this is federal government, yeah. climate active. Yeah. Um, like, this is worth mentioning, even if perhaps they're technically not the first. It's definitely an industry push is going that way. Mm. More of the slightly bigger producers are going, this is important to people, let's go this way. That's the thing. And, like, Capital and your Moon Dogs and stuff are yeah. quite large independent producers. Bigger. Bigger independence. Yeah. Um, I think that does us for the news. We've done well. Yeah. We have. Yeah. (laughs) We'll be back in a moment with a quick scouting report. We are back with a quick scouting report. We went to the Kaiju Cantina in Huntingdale, I believe. Yeah. Somewhere out there. Yeah. Luckily, Huntingdale. That general direction. Yeah. Um, and it was a brewery. It was <laughs> full of small children. Yes, yes, a remarkable amount of small children. Um, but that was that was probably the key takeaway. But um, apart from that, it's, I mean, it's it's a nice spot, very bright, very mm-hmm. colourful. Then the uh, kaiju, well, the crush blue, I think. Is yeah, it? yeah, and had the um a little a little like bus or something inside. Yeah, something yeah, like a little combi van or something. Yeah, that sort of kitted out. Yeah, and um, and they had the food was just pizza, I think. Yeah, but it was nice. It was good pizza. Yeah, we had the uh, the cheeseburger. Yeah, and monstrosity tasted was, like a cheeseburger. It did. Um, very impressive. You have um, to give them credit for uh, execution and a good amount of taps too. I think. Um, I reckon there was maybe twelve. Yeah, um, and some like you know good little. Uh, limited. All the classics. Yeah, a lot, it was like it was mostly hoppy stuff, but um, that's not surprising with the kaiju. No, no. Um, there was some darks, some sours, and lots of beers, plus nine percent. Yes, yeah. I think we had stuff. two, and thought we should two of those, and thought, oh, we should go before we really get yeah get done because I think dangerous. there were five five beers heavier than anything we'd had. Yes, and we had some heavy <laughs> stuff already. Um, I think my only real complaint with it is that it sort of continues this trend of breweries that have so much personality in their branding and their beers and then don't follow it through to the venue. Cause Make the safest venue you've ever yeah. seen. And I get it. It's not cheap. It's a, not the easiest time to be opening. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I, I was probably hoping for... I think, I think you know, Moondog's... Uh, you know, they would probably wouldn't make my top 20 Australian breweries, but those venues are... Moondog. Yeah, through and through, and I think they would probably be right up there just because the amount of personality they have. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's just... Maybe that was my mild disappointment. Beer's great. Beer was awesome. Space is... It's a nice space to mm. a beer in, but it's I, a very generic space outside of... Yeah. The it's, painting colour. Yeah, exactly, and it, it's certainly not unpleasant. I think it will hit their market nicely. It's that very safe... Late twenties, early thirties, sort of professional young family sort of vibe. Very young family, yeah, orientated, like, and that's totally fine. But um, yeah, mate, don't don't expect there to be like any kaiju nuttiness there. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's safe. Outside of the beers, 
Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, as the beer's great. Um, like, you know, we had a couple of specials there. Um, yeah, Cruise, a Hazy, yeah, Space Cadet, which was a pretty... Wait, big, that was, that big was IPA? Yeah. I'm trying to remember that... We had the Paradise Pills. I think that's been around. But yeah, I don't think you've seen it out very often. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, there was... All, I thought the beer quality was very good. Yeah, beer was excellent. Food was excellent. Space is nice. It's just not kaiju. Yeah, yeah. Just not a lot of personality. Yeah. Um, kind of reminded me a bit of Dainton. Yeah. Um, perfectly lovely spot. Um, be really good beer. Just doesn't really feel like it captures the vibe of the brewery. And if, if you're one of those people who don't want to have screaming children running around you while you're uh, drinking, probably avoid it. Yeah. I did, did have some friends go there who said that they didn't see any, so we might have just gone uh, on a bad day. Might have been the wrong day. Yeah. It, it did seem like there were multiple children's birthday parties that somehow ended up finishing at Kaj. I am interested how it would be like after work on one of those days they open I think are they Thursday yeah, Friday I imagine it would be fairly quiet at least on a Thursday like but who knows you know, yeah I mean plenty of people live around there including myself well so. that, that's almost my point yeah it's like what does it look like not on a Saturday afternoon which is potentially peak children time yes yes and um yeah no I mean it would be nice to go there on a quieter day and sort of sample the menu a bit more thoughtfully yeah um, that's, that's the difficult things, I guess, with brewers you like, is they're often very popular and you don't get to sort of sit there. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, other people also like yeah. them. <laughs> it's a goddamn shame. Um, but yes, no, I think I think overall, a, a tick to guard, you just don't expect anything that isn't in 20 other breweries around the world. Yeah, I think that's fair. Welcome back to the Beer Cop Podcast. I'm Angus Norris. I'm here with uh, Nick Becker from Convoy Kegs. Welcome, Nick. G'day. Thanks for having me. No problems at all. Can you kick us off by giving us a little background on yourself and a little background on Convoy Kegs? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, myself, have been around beer for uh, probably 12 12 or 13 years now. Firstly, on the on the pub side, and then into into breweries up in Sydney, and was part of Rocks Brewing Company for uh, five or six years, um, and helped build that brewery in Alexandria there. And then, you know, it got to the got to the point where I needed to have a bit of a switch of of lives, and I got on the supplier side uh, and joined Kegstar um, with with Adam Trip Smith back in what, 2016, maybe something like that, uh, and spent a few years there learning. And learning and travelling around and seeing a lot of breweries and and got to got to know the supplier side of the business uh, and enjoyed it. Right, got got to help a lot of new breweries kind of kick off and and use a bit of the knowledge that I had uh, building a brewery already to um, to kind of help them kick off and then you know get into the kegs world and it got to the point where where brambles kind of took that over and the corporate world took over and I decided that it was time for change as did a few of us and we all kind of got together and, and kicked off Convoy. So we, we started Convoy in 2019 and uh, and here we are. Interesting time to start it looking back in hindsight. <laughs> um, so what what how long were you up for? Maybe nine months before COVID kicked off? Yeah, probably. We, we started, we really... We walked into an office one July 2019 and with a whiteboard, literally, and 
pinned out what we were going to do for the next three months because it takes about three or four months to to get kegs actually in the country. So we didn't have any mm. kegs. Put a plan together and, uh, and and got some kegs around October 2019 and kicked it off with a few thousand and a few loyal customers and supporters that we've had friends with for a long time. And then uh, what was it about March, six months later, it was, uh, all went downhill, which was and pretty tough. Yeah, I imagine because we think about it from a, a brewer's perspective and they just moved everything from keg to pack. How did that impact your business being a, you know, a keg rental business, essentially? Yeah, it affected us 100%, to be honest. Yeah. In that, in that first lockdown, we went from a really, you know, a real startup business uh, in, in pure growth phase to, uh, uh, to all of a sudden just stopping. Now, it was probably not a, bit, not a bad time in terms of that. We we just raised some capital, so we had some cash in the bank. So we weren't relying on um, weren't relying on a PNL or or previous PNLs to, to 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 work towards. So we had there. We were still driving. We were still building a customer base, and we were, so we were still out there talking to that those customers and trying to get them on board, even though there was no kegs going out the door. And to be honest, we met with we got met with a lot of uh, a lot of cold shoulders. Like we're not talking kegs, mate. We're all, the world's mm-hmm. about to explode and. Uh, so anyway, you know, a few months later and we were all, we all started, each state kind of came out of their lockdown. So we had this opportunity to kind of start a business, travel six months down the road, kind of have this forced pause, I guess, and reflect on what we'd done well and what we'd done poorly, and then just regroup and, and kind of go, right, here's, here's what we've got to do for, for the, as we come out of this lockdown. Unfortunately, most of the country came out of lockdown other than you guys in Victoria, poor things. Um, mm. and, and, and we got to kind of just start bubbling away again, state by state. So it's, it, was it a good thing? Like, no, we went from zero to, we went from a, a starting to get some revenue in to, to zero basically overnight, but it gave us a chance to, to really reflect on where we were and then start re- really rebuilding what we needed to, uh, to do to come out of lockdown. Sorry, can I just jump in? I'm just um, I'm curious about, was the idea for, you've got Catch, right, which is owned by um, Convoy, and it, that's sort of, is that the technology? Or can you just, like, talk to us a little bit about that? Because I assume, was that one of the things you sort of was born out of, you know, COVID, just sort of how can we use this technology? Um, no, I'm going to take a step back a little bit. Yes, yes. the technology portion was was from day one. We knew that we needed to enter the keg rental market with a technology offering that was different, uh, and it turns out it's the first uh, it's the first keg technology or keg tracking technology on a on a um, past what we call just a, a beta phase, right? There's a few there's a few rental companies, and sorry, there's a few tracking companies out there that have got a device or two that are, are testing it and are, and are pretty good, but no one's got it to a scale. So we've from day one, we said, this is what we're doing. And we we're pretty gung-ho at, at achieving getting beacons onto our kegs as quickly as possible. Now we had to launch without it because it takes a bit of time to obviously, one, find a, find someone that can build the device itself, the physical device, and two, get the, the firmware and the software in it to, uh, to actually track what a keg does. And that's a pretty interesting process. Of, of laying everything out on a whiteboard and actually going through the whole life cycle, I guess, of a keg 
what it does from from warehouse to producer to venue back to distributor back to warehouse you know it does a few different different things and it goes upside down and gets hit with chemicals and all sorts of heat so we need to we needed to make this device that was robust to cop what a keg goes through that took a bit of time and we we finally got some devices uh in early 2020 and it would have been just after COVID, actually mid 2020 uh to, to test and by the time we uh we came out of COVID, we placed an order uh for a hundred thousand units basically started started implementing then all, all of our kegs and retrofitting all of our kegs out to the point now we've got about 120 just under 120,000 kegs tracked around australia at the moment wow that's a lot that's, of kegs yeah so it's and that's about 60 percent of the fleet right so there's about a couple hundred thousand kegs um, yeah, about sixty percent of tracked across Australia and New Zealand, uh, and then therefore that that the catch side of the business was born to then be able to take that product to keg owners. Uh, you know, there's the big boys in Australia, the, the big two keg owners, CB and Lion here, and Coopers, uh, and then and then but abroad you've got you know a couple of couple of breweries in Germany itself that have got three million kegs each. So it, mm. it takes it takes what is a keg pooling business and 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 convoy being almost the crash test dummy of the of the tracking world to to then take the tracking to a to a global basis I reckon. And is that almost your your point of difference in your sell to customers? As you know, you can't really go up against Kegstar with you guys. You know, built to that point on price. You know, because Brambles, Chep. You know, that's an enormous company that'll you know destroy you if you try and play on price yep. um is that your sell yeah 100 percent. it's 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 probably more than just the the tracking it's what the tracking delivers to the the brewer and the producer that that gives us our point of difference mm-hmm. with 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 other tracking technologies that you know you have to scan it or manually scan it through the supply chain for it to to um get to its next location and a lot of the a lot of the pricing structures were based on those scans those physical scans and if someone didn't physically scan a keg to its next destination then the the price just kept going the rental just kept going on a daily basis so we just decided to remove that completely and go with a with a fixed price that we knew that was we knew that the market would would find that price attractive uh it still hit the returns that we need but we provided a device that they didn't need to scan through the supply chain. Therefore, we didn't need to, to have a billing cycle based on particular scans across. So that was, our, that was our big key focus was remove the elements of scanning. And what that provided with the data was, was actually some added benefits of tracking its location, tracking its temperature, and then understanding where those kegs are going and how they're actually being used and operated, our distributors, Doing the right thing on the first in first out basis, you know, so and it gives those brewers a bit of peace of mind of of, of their kegs of doing what they should be doing. Do you also have? Does that also help mitigate issues with keg loss, or do you s- sort of experience a similar level of theft to the rest of the industry? Good, it's a, you know what? It's a good question. That's probably it's actually something we're going through at the moment is to is to go through all of the Every keg, when's it message last? Where, what location was it at? And do a bit of a an update for ourselves. We've modelled out that we should lose less than what the industry says. Mm. Now, what does the industry say? 
somewhere between five and ten percent is is a number. Um, is it true? No one ever knows because they're always moving and it's hard to really track them. Um, but at the moment, we're st we're still getting a lot of pings off our off our our data. We're still seeing a lot of kegs showing up around the place without having them lost. Now we get the odd one that's going to get pinched. Someone's going to do the wrong thing, but the majority of people um, do the right thing, and and we're seeing that. And obviously, you would build that into your pricing structure, but it's a way to sort of spread that risk over a wider portion. Like I think a few of the WA brewers last year sort of lost, you know, twenty or thirty percent of their kegs in one or two hits. You know, yeah, that was a bit of a yeah. There was a bit of a nasty thing going on in WA there last or whenever that was, you eighteen months ago. And fortunately, they caught the guy. And but and and fortunately, the Western Australian Brewers Association Wobber uh, put a pretty good PR campaign together around like the cost of kegs and why why brewers need kegs back. Um, and it, and it only really hits the it'll hit the price point at, of the schooner right or the or the pot. At, at the pub when if, if, if people keep losing kegs so we um uh, because we've because we've got this tracking and we can see them through the supply chain we're not required to have this scanning through we've yeah. um, we've reduced any lost keg fees that were there in the in the past so um it, we've, we've put it back on us to make sure that our technology works and alleviate that risk from the brewers so you've almost simplified everything right down for for the brewers Mate, that's our mantra: is keep it simple, right? Making, 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 delivering beer the way that beer should be delivered in a simple way. Yeah, is that why you also do things like you know you, you can offer them branding and so on for their kegs, and just sort of basically you can do the whole thing for them just to alleviate any sort of like concerns they might have. Like it's not just the technology; you're sort of you're doing everything. Yeah, yeah, correct. So we've got we've. We took over a business in in Melbourne called Keg Services late last year or mid last year. Um, that was really Australia's only keg servicing facility. Um, so we, why did we take it over? Well, we wanted to take it over because kegs are our world, and if we can have this full offering of servicing, branding, tracking, uh, and repairing and maintaining kegs for everyone. It's, it's part of our mantra of making sure that we're providing and delivering on the products that we we want the producers to have. We want them to have good kegs because we want you guys drinking good beer at pub. Have you guys noticed any sort of move, movement in consumer, consumer trends? Like are you still seeing less kegs than you'd think at this time? Or is that sort of a state-by-state state thing? Like maybe are we slightly confused in Victoria? <laughs> <laughs> after our few years in lockdown uh good question i think we certainly saw the trends of we follow what the breweries do right mm. we certainly followed what the pubs do when the pubs were shut we obviously obviously went down but we just saw over over january february we saw this massive dive everyone just just halted the whole beer world and keg world because of this omicron variant and mm. it, uh, it certainly slowed up kegs we had a massive december everyone fired up for november and december for christmas and literally what was it the week before christmas this whole variant popped up and and it went dead quiet so yes we do see we're a couple of weeks behind it but we do see the the variations of of what can happen state by state queensland queensland didn't really have it right queensland just kept continuing to fire fire away um, yeah. melbourne has been hesitant and is starting to really bubble back 
to be honest. It's coming back quite hard. Which is good to see. Well, Melbourne's, big, Melbourne, Melbourne's the capital of, uh, of craft. There's definitely a lot of volume of, of good good beer that comes out of Melbourne. Um, and it's, it's certainly a state that we, we, do, we do the most kegs in Melbourne out of any other state by far. And do you find you sort of end up with more smaller brewery clients or do you end up with bigger breweries, like more established, larger distribution breweries? Because I'm quite interested in how that works logistically for those guys, especially guys sending beer interstate. Yep. Uh, pooling, once you're starting to send kegs interstate, pooling's the best model because you can mm. you can utilise kegs wherever they land. You just, you just fill them, clean them and fill them at the brewery and send them to wherever, and we do the reverse logistics, right? doesn't matter if they go to Tasmania, to Perth, to... To Queensland, doesn't it doesn't matter. So for those bigger breweries, we make sense. For the smaller breweries, we still make sense because of the capital restraints around buying a keg yeah. fleet. So you can tip tip that capital money into the sales team, marketing team, and just use opex as as to to rent kegs basically. So for both, to answer your question, we have a variety. I mean, we've got over five hundred customers, and we rent to over a couple of hundred a month. Um, some of them order quite a decent amount. Some of them order not a lot. Some of them order every other month, and that's the be- that's the beauty of it, right? You don't have to have kegs sitting there doing nothing if you don't need them. So, if the, for those small guys or even cideries or wineries that that, um, that harvest once or twice a year, they can actually just drip feed kegs when they need it, rather than fill a whole lot. It goes back to what you said before, like you know, it helps the best practices and in the end it helps the consumer get the best, the, the product in the best possible condition, which I guess is, you know, the best, the key thing. When you when you go have a keg, you want the freshest possible product you can sort of thing and they want to provide yeah, it to you. Fresh, fresh is best, right? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we can keep it fresh and, and, and fill when, only when you need it, yeah. then that's where, that's where we make sense. That's where pooling makes sense. Yeah. Probably a question just for our trade listeners. Any minimum order quantities? Do they have to set up an account? What's the sort of process for those guys if they want to use you? Yeah, we definitely have an account set up. That's for sure. Um, minimum order quantities are more around minimum freight. So there, there's mm-hmm. a minimum freight that that we get charged, and that's that's what we'd need to pass on as a minimum freight. So we like to order in pallets. Pallets come in nine kegs of, sorry, layers of nine kegs per pallet, mm-hmm. uh, and that can be the minimum order right so the minimum the minimum is just what the, the the minimum freight is so it doesn't matter if you order one keg or 27 kegs that freight for that first pallet's the same that's it how do trying how do people simple. yeah trying to keep it simple again like, keep it really simple. and especially for those smaller guys they'd be you know there's so many things those guys are doing you know wearing eight different hats and if they can just call you one lot off they totally. go totally. and they can how order those through- yeah, they can yeah. order through our online portal, we, that's, and that's what we get set up. So the only the only way to to get set up is to is to flick us a flick us a note, and we'll send you back a link to sign up online, and then you can order away on our on our portal. That's fantastic, Dylan. Do you have anything else? No, no. I think uh, yeah, asked asked everything I wanted. Um, I'd be. Is there anything you wanted to discuss, Nick? Like any anything you guys are moving towards? You're excited about or? Is it all kind of pretty exciting? Uh, <laughs> I think uh, we're, we're kind of entering into this new phase at the moment. We've got 
um, with the with the keg services brand is is joining into the convoy stable. I guess we, we're it's now becoming convoy services. So we're mm-hmm. we're kind of bringing everything under that one umbrella. The catch brand will be a, a the catch will be the device under the convoy banner, um, and that's we've just come back from the USA at Craft Brewers Conference in Minneapolis. Uh, where we had a convoy stand along with a catch stand at the at the conference and had a lot of good um, inquiries around one keg rentals in the USA. Funnily enough, even though mm. MicroStar are the big boys over there who actually own Kegstar now, um, but they they service they service the big end of town very well, but don't look after the medium and small end of town. And there's not many others in over there that that service the, the what they call a paper fill or a pooling style mm. model. So we had a general general amount of inquiries to to have a crack at starting something in the US for kegs, but definitely had a lot of interest in tracking. There's a lot of there's a lot of own ownership of kegs out there in the world, and and one thing that everyone talks about is that we just have no idea where our kegs are. So if we can if we can alleviate a little bit of that with all these brewers, then there's there's something to be done. That's for sure. And so catch is something that can be retrofitted to pretty much any keg. Yeah, 100%. So it's the first device that we've got, which is the, the device on all of our convoy kegs, is, is welded on. And that was that was version one. Version two is actually on a bracket that um, is is basically screwed into the edge of the chime. So it's, it doesn't require any welding. It can be fit anywhere on site uh, and can be activated straight away. So version two, which will be coming out in about September, October, um, will be will be the one that can can go anywhere and can be fit by anyone. And do you see that potentially being a bigger part of your business than the keg pooling? Because that would seem to appeal to almost every brewer. I think yes, the answer is yeah. I think if we can get if we can get those, we've got a few trials going on, substantial trials with some substantial companies at the moment. Um, and if we can Get that out. Get one. Get the manufacturing done, because there's a few uh, a few big companies that try to muscle their way in, called Apple and Toyota and those kind of things. For uh, we use the same same chip or same part within the within the beacon. So if we can get through manufacturing, which is starting to happen, uh, and we've got these trials going on, it's it's definitely a global position for sure. That that can that can really establish. Along with, I mean, rent, rental kegs are still at our heart, and we can still we'll still look at other geographies for that. But the the catch side of it and the tracking side is definitely a uh, a part that can scale quickly overseas. So at the moment, convoy is just in Australia and New Zealand. Is that right? Or if you hit just, other markets, yeah. uh, yeah. pegs are just in Australia and New Zealand at the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got inquiries from from other places around the place for joint ventures, etc. But uh, we want to look after our own backyard and get that right first. Yep. There's a lot of for some for we are the first to market with this beacon on a on a scale basis. If we don't get it right, then it's pretty tough to take to market. So we want to make sure we get convoy right first with the data and the tracking, uh, and that's definitely going in the right direction, 100%. So we get that right and then 100% scale it. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Um, how do people get in touch if they want to use your service, find out more? We've just done a new new rebrand on a website, so all we'll go and have a check it out, convoykegs.com. 
It's looking yeah, very looking swish. Very swish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just done. The, yeah, we've just gone through the whole rebrand process, which was which was all fun and games. Um, so that's yeah, you'll be able to you'll be able to jump on and and send us through an inquiry, and one of our guys will get back to you pretty quickly. Uh, fantastic convoy kegs.au convoy kegs.com.au yep fantastic thanks very much for jumping on with us nick really appreciate it no worries nice to meet you guys hopefully we can catch up for a beer in melbourne yeah, yeah exactly sure. oh, always keen <laughs> <laughs>
Yes. Yes, it is. And um, um, do you want to do you want to take it off air? I think we need to take this off air. All right. After some deliberation, we have decided this slots in at number twenty six. Uh, so just below Stella Artois from Belgium and just above Tusker from Kenya. So it's sort of a little bit below the middle. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not awful. It's just pretty unremarkable and pretty unexciting. And it's pretty unremarkable. It loses a few points just on the aroma and mm. sort of the back end of the palate. There's this almost medicinal, yeah, markery sort of flavour. Yeah, and it is very sweet. Um, it's like up front, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is before there's this sort of uh, bitter. Not hop bitter. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing. There's, there's almost no hops that I can really. I can't. Tell. I can't taste any. Um, but it, you know, it's 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 beer. It's cold. Yeah, it? yeah. I can see it would probably go down fine in Mauritius. Yeah, I think on a beach in Mauritius, this would be fine. But for the purposes of the exercise, it's just below middle of the road. Yeah, I don't think we can rank it too highly in isolation. Um, so there, therefore. Um, yep, uh, just below Stella, just above Tusca, is Phoenix from Mauritius. Um, yeah, we'll drink the whole thing. Yeah, that's and that's, that's yeah, generally the mark of not being in the bottom five. Yeah, basically. Back in a moment with the cellar. And we are back with the cellar. Um, so this is when we pull something from the cellar and decide if it's a thumbs up, thumbs down, if we pulled it at the right time, if we put it too late, too early. Uh, a lot of the time it's just to get rid of something or to, to, to have an excuse to try something. I think so. I think it's to pull things that we may not otherwise. Yeah. And um, today, what are we having? Because this is from your cellar today. It is. So we today have got a Haral. I thought it was fitting considering we talked about them earlier. Yep. Just an Erdgerza Mega Blend from them. This is a 2013. Uh, so it's a Three Fontainen, Boone, Timmermans, Udbeersel, Lindemans, De Troc, De Cam, Hansons and Tilquin. All of the boys, yeah. All of the boys. And, yeah, so it's a Gerza 2013. And, yeah, I can't imagine that this will be disappointing, but... I I wouldn't have thought so. A few little sedimenty boys there. (laughs) That's, yeah. Nine years old and uh, a name that does lend itself to sediment somewhat. The old Haral and Co. Exactly. Your class looks much nicer than mine. Yeah, I think you might have got some of, some of the stuff down the bottom. Wonderful. Um, so in, anything about this mega blend? Is it just just these breweries get together for their catch-ups and so on, and it's just like, oh, let's just do a blend while we're here? I believe so. Oh. I believe that's literally the... Uh, the idea. Well, why wouldn't you, I suppose, if you're in the company of... All of those producers. Exactly. I think they literally pull barrels that they think might be common. I think someone picks like a main barrel. Yeah. And they all go, what are you looking for? And pull barrels from their thing to... Yes, maybe a different brewery would lead it. Each time, yeah. That's fun. Exactly. Um, We both like Gerzes. I'm sure this is going to be fun. Yeah. Um, Do we want to lead this off? Yeah, or 
may as well take it off and see where it's at. And or do we want to just roll with it? I don't know. Let's roll. Probably fairly easy to talk about. Let's roll. It's nowhere near as a city as I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think I think first impressions are that um yeah less less acid. I think both of us are sort of in that. It sort of got quite an interesting sweet front end. Mm. Um, a lot of stone fruit. And sort of like a, a bitter citrus thing going on too. There is actual reasonable acid, I think, once that palate settles in. It's a different sort of acid, though. It it's is. Not, it's not that typical tartness. It's more of that... Um, it's not that... That barrel. Yeah, it's not enamel stripping tartness. Yeah, so. yeah. More of that Flanders style. It's a cool beer. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of complexity there um, with the age and the creators. Best or best before uh, 29, 10, 32. Yeah, all right. So we're just there. We've just yeah. got time. We're well, in, well and truly in. Bottle number 18,111 for anyone interested. Yep. Just in case you're your neighbour and you're wondering if you should try this. Oh, I mean, I think it's mostly, it's hard to say it's it's not a good time to crack it. I think it's one of those ones that would evolve so much. That's right. It's definitely lost carb, I reckon, from where it would have been. Mm. Uh, not criminally so. There's a reasonable head on both paws. It's kind of this nice stage where you've got these sort of sprinkly, spritzy bubbles just in the mid palate. It's in that sort of older Gerza like, yeah. um, spot. It's not in the sort of um, Bruschella still lambic stage. No, definitely not. It, it's definitely, there is still plenty of spritziness to this. Um, it just doesn't have that, yeah, that, that big upfront carbonation. I think it's lost that over time. And um, yeah. Interesting funk on the nose, bit of bread. Uh, well, a lot of bread. <laughs> yeah. Sort of not full bubble gum, but like horse paint blanket bubble mm. gum. Definitely that wet straw, animal mm. fur kind of smell. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, there is, but there is something bubble gummy too. Almost sort of like a blue cheese going on too. Yeah, very blue cheesy. Yeah. Um, Overall, I think we have to give that a thumbs up. Yeah, and I think, I think whether it's more of the degree of the thumbs up as to like. Yeah. What you prefer, I think this may evolve in different ways. Like if you leave another 10 years, it'll probably be more Brett dominant. Yeah, I um, would think so. And then if you had it fresher, it may be more, more hop character, maybe more upfront acidity. Um, yeah. Yeah, so the 2013 version, I've, I've got some more info now. Great. Uh, was the ninth edition of the Haral Special. Yep. Which is why it had nine producers. Okay. Makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. And it's the Tour de Gerza, so I think they went from... I vaguely am across this. I think they went to each of the producers, and so this year was Boone was the main one. Yeah. Okay. And they went... You know. So they probably, they probably started it, and then... <clears throat> Alright, so whether they pick all Boone barrels, I'm not sure, or whether okay. they pick a Boone barrel to start with and then contribute bits, I'm not. Yeah, I wonder if they'd be worried about cross-contamination of house sculptures and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, Interesting. So whether they just have one of the great brew days and pick, you know, a main barrel and then go, let's say it's all your barrels. Yeah, yeah. 
See, I mean, that's possible. It'd be fun. Fun to be involved with if that's the way it is. Yeah. yeah. And if that's not the way it is, let's sort that out. Yeah. <laughs> you can pay us the idea. In, in goes on. Like, I have so much to add, but also, at the same time, very little to add. This is incredibly complex. People need to drink this sort of stuff. Yeah. It changes a lot. There's more, like... It's like a, a candy liquid orange now. Yeah. Um, like I was going to say it's like orange. a candy grapefruit with whiskey. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it's that barrel-age character. But it's that barrel-age spirit, especially, because you get in this sort of... Yeah, oxidised orange, almost. Yeah, and a bit of, like, almost a ethyl alcohol, just, like, sort of leaking That's out the sides. Yeah. Um, what's, what's the ABV? Low, I think. Um, seven, actually. So high for Gerza. But, yeah, not, not, not where you should be picking up. Fuse. Raw alcohol. No. Yeah, yeah. But, um, it, there is, it's not, it's not hot in terms of raw alcohol. No. But it just has these hints of the, of a spirit-like, uh, alcohol character coming through. Yeah, I think it's almost, is that one of those suggestive things? Where exactly. Like, you're picking up the oxidated character and then you're like, oh, there should be alcohol. And yeah, so, exactly. Is that actually there? Yeah, it's like, oh, this tastes like, it's almost old-fashioned-y. It is actually. It's that um, same orangey thing. That bitter orange and that barrel and that sweetness. Um, yeah. Look, if you've still got a 2013 Mega Blend, I'd. Um, <laughs> look, well done, firstly, on keeping that long. Mm. And second, yeah, ready to go. Yeah. Well, I don't see any reason you couldn't hang on to it longer, though. I don't think no, it's, no. it's going to die this week or anything. I think it would just get more bready. Um, so depending on what you like, I think you're definitely, definitely seeing old fashioned character. The more I have it, I think that's the best way to describe it. I think the more I have it, I'm getting that more as well. Like more candied orange and yeah, the Angostura bitter sort of thing coming through it. It's it is actually quite bitter. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, A bitterness is building. I wonder if it's hot quite heavily. It'd have to be for Mm. the age you'd think. Um, but yeah, um, I think it's cool. Another successful seller. We're going to give that a thumbs up. We're going to say you can drink it now or continue. I don't think there's any issue on either side. No, I don't think so. And do we do anything else with that? I don't think so. No, that's it. It's more just just, just commentary, I think. And how long have I had it? Who knows? Yeah. At least nine years. Probably. Yeah. Or at most nine years, one or the other. Yeah. Um, Well, they bottled it by the date you assume they bottled it ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, at some point in there I picked it up. Oh, look, it's a good time to grab it. And uh, yeah, as always, appreciate you sharing. And a fun thing to have on here. Um, well, exactly. You, you want something that's actually been sitting in the cellar for this sort of game. Yeah, yeah. And I know this moved house with me, and that is the best part of five years ago. So here we are. Yeah, the, the only shame is that you uh, can't share it with the listeners, I guess. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Always keen to do that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Host the, the beer o'clock cellar day and it's just empties his. It's like, if it's in one of these boxes, you can drink it. Yeah. <laughs> just let me have a sip. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that'll do us. I think so. That's beautiful, man.